Well, good morning, church family. Thank you for joining us. Please turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, beginning to read at verses 43 through to verses 49. And let's read together. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had, been, it had been built well. But the one who bears, who hears, and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. And this is the word of the Lord. And let's bow our heads and commit it to the Lord. Father, we ask you to quieten our hearts so that we will be able to hear your voice. So that we are like Samuel who said, speak Lord, for your servant listens. Amen. So we come this morning to the end of Jesus' sermon on the plain. Three weeks ago, we came to that section of Luke's Gospel, and we recognized it as the ordination sermon, because in it, we found Jesus preparing his disciples about what it means to sit under his kingship. And this morning, from the passage that we read, we immediately recognized it that Jesus is now drawing his sermon to conclusion. But as he does that, there is something urgent and something important that he wants his disciples to get hold of. He not only wants his disciples to hear his teaching, but he wants them to apply it. He wants his teaching and his message to bear fruit in the lives of his disciples. He wants his teaching and message to bring about behavior change in the lives of his disciples. So in a way, here Jesus is saying to his disciples, you've been sitting here on this level place with me. You've heard me speaking to you. The question that I want to pose to you as we bring this talk to conclusion is, what are you going to do with what you've heard? 
That's the question Jesus is asking his disciples. And immediately I want to suggest that that same question Jesus asked his disciples, he is asking us too this morning. Because we too, like his disciples, have been sitting under Jesus' teaching in this section for the past three weeks. We've heard him calling us out of the world. We've heard him telling us not only we are to love our enemies, but we are to pray for them and do good to them. We've heard him telling us to have nothing to do with judgment that condemns other people, to have nothing to do with judgment that is hypocritical. So having heard that, Jesus is now asking us, what are you going to do with my word? That's the question this passage is seeking to pose to us. Furthermore, I want to suggest that this is an illustration of what we call biblical preaching. Because the aim of biblical preaching is not to give us notes so that we can file them in our spiritual cabinet and tick the box, off we go to the next. On the contrary, the aim of biblical preaching is to bring about change in the way we think and in the way we behave. That's what biblical preaching is about. The great preacher of the 20th century, century uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, talked about biblical preaching as going from the mind to the heart to activate the will. It's a beautiful order and process. And immediately you recognize that this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can bring about this process of the Word of God coming to us in our minds so that we hear it and, read and, 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 and understand it. But moving from our, from our minds to our hearts, to the controlling part of our being, and then activating the will so that we can do it. The Holy Spirit does that work. He's the one who softens our heart so that we are able to receive the word of God. And having received it, that we are able to respond to it. So every time then the word of God is spoken to us, it is likely to challenge us. It is likely to show us things that needs to be different in our lives. It is likely to show us things that needs to change in our lives. The aim of God's word is not to give us formulas, but it is to shape our lives. Jesus here in this passage, he is making an urgent appeal that we should not only hear the word of God, but we should do it also. That's the appeal he's making in this passage. And he illustrates the urgency of this appeal by giving us a sequence of contrasts where he differentiates 
How does the person who hear the word of God and not do it, how does that person differ from the one who hears it and do his word? And here is this sequence of his contrast. He talks about the good and the bad tree. That's contrast. He talks about good and evil people. And he talks about a house that stands and a house that collapses. And in all this time, underneath these contrasts, Jesus is asking the question, so which one are you? Are you the fake or the real deal? Are you the authentic follower or the superficial follower? That's the question that underlines these, this sequence of contrast. Now, I don't know about you, but in my attempt to answer this question for myself, I find myself caught up in an internal turmoil. You see, because on the one hand, the self-righteous me wants to say, surely I am the real deal. The self-righteousness me, the self-righteous me wants to say, surely I am the authentic follower of Jesus. But you see, the Holy Spirit in his gentle and uncondemning voice comes in, steps in and shows, my, and shows me the real me. And as it does that, it comes out glaring that, no, 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 I am not yet that which I want to be. I am in pursuit of it. Everything that I want to be, I have not yet attained fully on this side of eternity. But it is something that I want to be. Paul puts this beautifully in his letter to Romans. He says, for I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. So there is this conflict in me. On the one hand, I know the good and the right thing that I must do. But I don't do it. I fail again and again. And then he cries out. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death. He recognizes that in him there is still a human fallen and sinful nature. Even though he knows what he should do, but he fails to do it. But he ends on a very hopeful note. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He not only saved us, but he continues to save us. So, in answering this question then, which one are you? It seems to me that we need to be humble. It seems to me that we need to embrace a gospel-shaped view of ourselves. A gospel-shaped view that tells us, yes, we are the sons and daughters of God. Adam, but we are continuously being redeemed. There is still in us that 
nature, at fallen nature, and at sinful nature. Now, two things that Jesus wants his disciples to take away from this passage. And he uses metaphors to illustrate them. The first one is there in verses 43 through to verses 45. He talks about his disciples being characterized by good fruit. The second one, he talks about his disciples being built on solid foundations, 46 and 49. Now let's read, let's begin. Verses 43 through to verses 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from bramble bush. A good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now it is easy for us to approach this kind of passage in a very casual manner. It's easy for us to say, yes, of course, it makes sense. A good tree bears good fruit. An evil tree bears evil. We all know that. It's easy for us to say that. Again, verse 43 makes that even clear. Each tree is known by its it's, we know, it's part of our everyday cliché. However, there is something that Jesus wants to bring across to us. He is going to, a challenging question for us. And the question says, why is it that we will call ourselves the followers of Jesus have look, look so little like Jesus? Why is it that we will call ourselves the followers of Jesus have words and actions that are completely different to the words and action of Jesus Christ, of the person that we claim to follow him. So if we claim to follow a good person, why is that not showing in our lives? That's the challenge Jesus is seeking to bring throughout this sermon. And he's saying, this is what I want you to produce. I want you to produce good fruit. I want you to be stable followers built on solid ground. Now, as we begin to answer that question, why is it that we who claim to be followers of Jesus look so little like Jesus? As we begin to answer that question, we begin to see the point of this passage and its implication. Because what Jesus is saying to us in these three verses of this passage is made up, is that it's all about the condition of our heart. And that is made abundantly clear in verses 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his 
evil treasure produces evil. For out of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So Jesus is saying here, both our words or our speech and action, they reveal the core of our being. That's what Jesus is saying here. They are the overflow of what is going on inside of us. Our actions and, and our speech, therefore, they reflect the nature of the tree. And this is why Jesus says, you cannot gather figs from thorn bushes. The words we speak and the actions and the way we carry ourselves is an overflow of what's happening inside of us. So what's the lesson? The lesson is that Jesus is not suggesting here that there are people who are totally good and there are people who are totally even, evil. Now, in all of us, there is mixture of both of those. Our fallen human nature, even when it's redeemed, it is still there. We have to continuously fight against the ways of the world. We have to continuously fight against the demands and the wants of our flesh. And we have to constantly be in fight against devil. Our fallen nature is not completely gone in us. So Jesus is saying here, what is it that you treasure so much in your heart? What is it that you value? What is it that you invest your life into? Because whatever that is, it will show its fruit in your life. What kind of values do you manifest in your life? Is it the values that represent the culture around you? Or is it values that represent the kingdom values, the kingdom of Jesus? Is it values that suggest that Christ is King and Lord over you? Are they dictating your thinking and your behavior? Those are the questions that we need to grapple with. And I want to suggest that some of the anxieties that we carry in our lives. They are the fruit of the heart that's secretly dedicated to the culture around us. Some of the anxieties that we carry in our hearts, they are a revelation of what's happening in our hearts, that our heart is dedicated to the culture around us, to status, comfort, and worldly success. That's what some of the anxieties. Instead of trusting God that he knows best for our lives. Anger, malice, lust, all of these, they are the fruit of the things we treasure. They are the overflow of the things we treasure. Therefore, we need to focus in our hearts as the writer to the proverb says, God 
your heart. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Now, before you begin to feel discouraged and feel that you are being beaten as I have during my preparation, I want you to suggest, I want to suggest to you that this is what we all need. It's a place that we need to be at in order to receive the grace of Jesus. This is how much you and I need the grace of Jesus Christ. As we recognize that we are poor in spirit and as we mourn our sin, Jesus says to us, you are blessed because you are the ones upon which I will pour my grace. This should comfort us because it means God is not finished with us yet. There is still so much, much work that he is still going to do and he continues to do in us. We are still being changed and we are still being transformed inside out. So on the one hand, our speech and action or our speech they reveal what's happening inside. And in our action, they expose us, but they lead us to the grace. They lead us to Jesus' arms that are open to us. And this is where we need to come again and again at the foot of the cross of Jesus and confess our sins and ask him for forgiveness and that he renews us so that we are able to overflow that which is good. We are to be people who show good fruit. Second thing that Jesus wants his disciples to take away, and we're going to be very brief here, is that they are to be built on solid foundations. Verses 46 is the challenging one. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Why give me the title and ignore my commands? That's what Jesus is asking. And he says, if, if, if you do that, then you are not different to hypocrites. And then he calls his disciples to the way of daily obedience. He calls them not only now to hear that word, but to do it. That to be a Christ follower is to be marked by everyday obedience to Jesus Christ. Verses 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. So the proof of Christian reality is a change of life and pursuit of holiness. That's what Jesus is telling us here. The proof of that we are Christ followers, our lives must be characterized by daily obedience, by change of life, and by pursuit of holiness. What are you going to do with God's word? And Jesus says, the one who hears my word is like a man who builds his house who first dug deep until he came to the rock and he built the house. And the one who hears my word and not do it 
It's like a man which has put his house on the ground. And when the storms of this world came, they wiped that house away. But for the one who was wise and built his house on the solid ground, and the storms of this world came, he stood and remained unshaken. Jesus here is not against us, but he is for us. He's not trying to rub our failures in our faces, but he wants us to see the grace that he is offering to us so that we are able to be models of his kingdom in this world. Let's bow our heads and pray. But Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We recognize how we fail again and again. But we thank you that again and again you invite us to come to the cross so that we can turn around and follow you over again. So may our worship be pleasing to you. 